When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. It's April 3rd, 1860, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Wanted. Young, skinny, wiry fellows not over 18 must be expert riders willing to risk death daily orphans preferred it might not be the stuff of linkedin dreams but in 1860s america hundreds of wiry young teens replied to this newspaper ad for what they considered the adventure of a lifetime becoming a rider for the pony express which made its first ride today in history in 1860 the pony express being a route to take mail through the plains of kansas and into nebraska along the valley of the platte river across the great plateau through the rockies etc on actual horseback. Mm. I mean, I, I think until you sort of look into it, you hear the Pony Express, you think maybe that's like a nickname for a, a cargo train or something. There was no train. That's why they had to have this. If you wanted to send a letter from Missouri to California in this year, 1860, 1861, it was delivered by one of those teenagers on the back of a horse. Yeah, it's astonishing. You know, this was a time before radios and telephones, obviously, and California, which achieved statehood in 1850, was still pretty much cut off from the eastern side of the country. So if you wanted to send a letter from New York to the West Coast, well, it went by ship, and that typically took at least a month, or you could send it by stagecoach uh, on the recently established Butterfield Express overland route, which would take between three weeks and a few months to arrive. So the idea that you could send mail across the country and it would only take 10 days was really revolutionary for the time. And that was possible due to an extremely carefully calibrated system. Pony Express stations known as relays were posted every 10 or so miles along the route. The route was like 2,000 miles, you know. This was so that the riders could swap horses. The horses themselves were chosen because they were small and fast. The riders could not weigh more than 125 pounds. In addition to the mochila, the leather mailbag they carried, that contained about nine kilos of mail, they took a water sack and a revolver, only to be used as a last resort. And this was the only only official equipment they were expected to carry because they had to be as lightweight as possible. Yeah, and the letters themselves that they were delivering had to be written on fine tissue paper to keep them light as well and wrapped in oil silk to protect them from moisture. We've talked about the debut of the postcard on this show previously, which was six years later, and it really helps put that moment in time, doesn't it? Because you you understand why people didn't write trivial stuff (laughs) when... (laughs) All that effort is being put into delivering your letter. You're not going to write a, a short message, are you, about something glib? You're, you're going to actually say something. 
Yeah, I think that's part of why the service was a little bit dead in the water even when it kicked off. You really couldn't be just writing the odd missive to your friend. The service itself cost $5 for every half ounce of mail, which is the equivalent of about $130 today. So, you know, this was really, really expensive. They did later reduce the price to just a dollar, but they still remained way too high for people to be able to use if they were just sending everyday mail. So instead, this was a route that tended to deliver important news or government dispatches or business documents because that had to be, by necessity, their target market. Yeah, the founders, uh, William H. Russell, Alexander Majors, or William B. Waddell, they already ran a freight business together, which relied on wagon trains. They knew from the beginning that the average person was never going to be able to pay, you know, even $1 to send a piece of mail that they could send for two cents in a stagecoach. They were relying on government contracts, the prospect of government contracts in any case, because with the civil war looking increasingly inevitable, the government had this vested interest in keeping close ties with the new territories out west. They certainly didn't want them to become, you know, slave-owning states that could then unite against the North. And they had to rely on government subsidies during the whole 18 months of operation and it never turned a profit. And actually, you look at some of the other companies that were involved at this time trying to set up similar operations, and you've got Wells Fargo, who were running mm. the stagecoach service, and American Express, who were doing <laughs> a rival thing. So the prize really was there for taking. I mean, they thought that it was possible that we could now all be walking around with, you know, Pony Express platinum cards in our pocket. <laughs> One thing that isn't quite clear to me is why they wanted orphans. I presume so that you wouldn't be being mourned by family if something went awry? Is that what that's that's all about? But a lot could go awry. You know, there was deprivation riding for 10 days between all these different stations Mm. across the desert. And there was hijacking. There was extreme weather, wind and sand. And you had to be good alone. I mean, it's you and a horse, right? Right. (laughs) And presumably a bit of back pain as well. So young helps. Yeah, although in practice riders were supposed to swap out after about 12 hours, which was equivalent to about 75 miles, one rider called William Campbell later recalled spending 24 hours in the saddle riding through three feet of snow. You know, there really was nobody to help you if you got trapped between those stations. I mean, that said, the pay was good, $125 a month. This is a time where the average unskilled labourer might earn less than a dollar a day. You know, that's good money for teenage boys who are too young to have a skilled trade. You know, that is good money. But riders had to swear an oath, which basically, involved not doing any of the traditional Wild West pursuits. Under no circumstances were they to use profane language, drink intoxicating liquors, quarrel or fight with any other employee of the firm, and they were to conduct themselves honestly, be faithful to my duties and direct all my acts as to win the confidence of my employers, so help me God. So not much time for rollicking. But what happens in the Sierra Mountains stays in the Sierra Mountains, doesn't it? I mean, how is that going to be monitored? (laughs) Well, as dangerous as it could have been for riders, it actually turned out to be even more dangerous for the people people who were in these outposts along the way. I guess because, you know, the riders were themselves kind of the fastest people on horseback out there, so it would be quite hard to intercept them. And only six died during the whole time that this service was running. Meanwhile, quite a lot more people who worked in these way stations died over the years, including 16 who died in one incident alone uh, in 1860 during the Pyramid Lake War, where Native Americans uh, attacked one of these relay stations. And I suppose this is 
is a thing that they were kind of sitting ducks. They were waiting for potential ambush, whereas the people who were on horseback were making their way as swiftly as possible across the country. Well, to take it back to this day in history, the first ever Pony Express run was departing from St. Joseph, Missouri, which is the legendary starting point for wagon trains heading west. And obviously a great deal had been made over the fact that this journey was only going to take 10 days. At the time, many people believed that it couldn't be done. So it was really important that it be done this first time. They had 80 riders, 400 horses, you know, hundreds of support staff lined up at these relay stations. But the issue wasn't with the express route itself. The issue was that the first batch of mail was coming from New York and Washington, D.C., and it was arriving in Hannibal, Missouri. However, it was two hours behind schedule. Mm. And what happened in the end was the railway company had to lay on a special locomotive to race across Missouri and then in what was then a record-breaking time of four hours and 51 minutes to ensure that this kind of ceremonial first ride could depart on schedule, which kind of speaks to why this was never going to be a money-making venture, you know? (laughs) Well, the problem was they wanted an appropriately salubrious message to be the first one that was delivered, didn't they? So it was a message of congratulation from President Buchanan to the governor of California. But those words themselves had been telegraphed that very morning from Washington to St. Joseph. So, you know, if it had just been a normal letter they'd have been able to get it there actually on time without the stress, wouldn't they? Well, this is the thing. And the advent of the first transcontinental telegraph was in October 1861. So already after just 18 months, you know, the Pony Express really wasn't that useful anymore. But it was technology, this. That's the thing. It felt like magic. It felt like the first time you used the internet. Yeah. Like that, You know, newspapers would have a front page splash saying, just in from the Pony Express. It was a great brand name for what America could do. Because it's worth saying before this, news-wise, there was an issue in that messages took 20 days sometimes to deliver by stagecoach. Mm. Yeah, and then suddenly you had all of these technological breakthroughs happening at once. You know, the Telegraph was the one that did for the Pony Express, unfortunately. There's a really good lithograph from the time that shows a Pony Express rider galloping across a plane, going past a group of workmen putting up a telegraph pole. Right. You know, a real artistic representation of this hmm. race to connect the West with the East. And in the event, it happened very quickly. The Transcontinental Telegraph was connected on the 24th of October, 1861. Two days later, the Pony Express went out of business. The last letters arrived at their destination in November. But meanwhile, you had this romanticization going on and the reason why the word Pony Express still lives to this day is partly because you had people like uh, William Buffalo Bill Cody who uh, he himself claimed that he served as a Pony Express rider at the age of 14. He even claimed that he once rode a record 384 miles in a single run. There is actually no official document that Cody ever worked as a messenger at all for the Pony Express, but he put... Well, he had the wrong bill, didn't he? As we've been absolutely, discussing. yeah. But he still put the Pony Express in his Wild West vaudeville shows and, you know, had it be part of the American mythos that, even though it hadn't lasted that long, was a big part of the country's identity. Well, it's romantic, isn't it? It's a bit more exciting to watch on stage than someone telegraphing someone. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. So that's like 50 to 80 Hiroshima's put together. It's astonishing. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.